Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest on this episode of the podcast is a familiar face and voice to the show. It's the award-winning podcaster, comedian and author, Helen Thorne. Previously, Helen has joined me with her Scummy Mummies comedy partner, Ellie Gibson. But in this episode, it's just Helen and me as we discuss what's happened in her life over the last 18 months. Just before the pandemic, Helen stumbled upon information that meant the end of her marriage and the end of the life she had known for 20 years with her husband. And perhaps most crucially, the end of the life that she expected to live. In her new book, Get Divorced, Be Happy, she chronicles the shock of realising life is never going to be the same again, how she fell apart and put herself back together, and the sting of the realisation that she had never been properly loved. In this episode, we discuss all these things, as well as why being angry isn't a bad thing, it's actually a great thing on the path to healing, and is something that a lot of people, especially women, don't feel able to be in case it upsets others, which means we can sometimes swallow down our anger and not say it. And actually, it's the saying it out loud that can be extremely helpful, cathartic and healthy. We discuss that love doesn't have to come from one place and certainly not one romantic or life partner, and why on the other side of heartbreak, there can often be greater happiness than you thought possible. Helen doesn't sugarcoat the bad times and the hard times, and she's extremely honest about how the journey to where she is now has not been easy. But her story is one she shares in order to empower anyone else going through something similar. As she says in the show, 50% of marriages fail. That's the current stat, which is quite depressing, or nearly 50% fail, which is uh, depressing, as I said. But that's why she wants to share it, because she wants anyone else who might be going through something similar to be able to gain something from her story and trust me you will gain a lot from what Helen has to say and it's why I'm so delighted she was able to join me on this episode. I read the book which I highly recommend by the way I read the audiobook or listened to the audiobook 
and hearing Helen tell the story was absolutely wonderful. And even though I haven't been through divorce and I'm not married, I found it to be a really wonderful and helpful guide for dealing with anything that might knock you sideways, whether that's relationship related, job related or just life related. So obviously the links to the book will be in the show notes as will the links to the brilliant Helen Thorne. But please do join me in welcoming back Helen Thorne onto The Emma Gunn Show. Helen Thorne, welcome back to the podcast. It's so lovely to see your smiling face. Oh, it's lovely to see your smiling face. I always feel like it's such a treat. It's such a a present to be in your presence, Emma Guns. (laughs) A gift, if you will. Likewise, my friend, likewise. Now, regular listeners will know exactly who you are. You are one half of the Scummy Mummers. You're a comedian. You are an award-winning podcaster. You are now a best-selling author. And just also, from someone who's been in your presence, not just seen you in your shows and read your book and engaged with your content, but you are a very joyful person. And so I think that brings me to the sort of horrible, shitty, sinking feeling I had when I learned that you were going through something horrible in your personal life. Cause you just think, oh, not Helen, for God's <laughs> sake, honestly. Um, oh, that's so lovely to say that, Emma, that's so sweet. <laughs> You know, you just want to protect you. You don't want you to have bad things happen. But what I, what we're going to talk about in this episode, listeners, is Helen's divorce, the, the breakdown of her marriage and her divorce. And what I want to say up front is, even though one might have that feeling of, oh, no, 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 I don't want that for her. What I think you get from the book, which I listened to the audiobook and it's brilliant, is that actually on the other side of it, there is the potential for greater happiness. Mm, yeah that's I think that's it I think that's the biggest surprise that's um happened to me in the last 18 months when I just thought marriage was the prize and Mm. then and then when it was when that choice was taken away from me I was like what am I going to do now like this and then to discover then to discover that being single is is the fucking prize that I'm (laughs) so so happy um yeah that that was that has been such a gift via absolute fucking awful things (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so okay let's let's go back to because you talk about it in the book but I do think this this for me is one of the most significant things is actually and I'll let you tell the story but it's it's finding out yeah so um I it was March the beginning of March last year 2020 and I was getting my daughter's World Book Day costume ready um, for parents out there they know the horror for non-parents <laughs> I hope you never have to go through it anyway so Matilda decided that she wanted to be Doctor Who at the last minute and I thought oh god I think I think my husband's got a, a jacket that will suit that and I went upstairs and I picked up his blazer which was next to the bed and in the pocket was a love letter and my whole body went cold and I, I opened the letter and um, and read it and yeah, it, it basically revealed he'd been having an affair for a very, very long time. And, um, and I recognised the name on the back. Not that I say that in the book because for legal reasons I'm not allowed to, but I can tell you, Emma, I can tell you, I'm just talking to a friend, I'm not putting this on the internet or anything. Um, but I knew, I, I knew who the woman was. Um, and uh, yeah, I just felt sick. And I had been with my husband since I was 19. So I'd been together for nearly 22 years and I did, did not imagine a life other than being with him. 
and being there forever. You know, I took my marriage vows very seriously. I, I was very faithful, almost too faithful. I just wouldn't talk to men in any kind of sexual way. I was really quite sexually prudish. Um, I'm the daughter of a vicar, so I grew up um, being very much indoctrinated about marriages for life. And so I just knew as soon as I read that letter, it was over, it was done. My, my life as I knew it, my husband as I knew him, was incredibly different. And so, so yeah, I, I, and then he came home about half an hour later and I just said to him, good one, dickhead, it's over, it's done. And it was very quiet. It was a very quiet at that point because the kids were downstairs and I had to kind of, and I just knew there was no turning back. And also I had this weird sense of calm. I mean, this is this, the, I was in shock, basically. You go mm -hmm. into some kind of weird sort of catatonic state and I just knew, I thought, I've done everything I can and I have always done everything I can to make this marriage work. So whatever happens next, I don't have any regrets. Um, and so that mm. felt good in a way. And then everything just kind of spiraled out of control because it was about two or three weeks before the pandemic. And um, yeah, he left the next day and never returned. Um, uh, so yeah, but I loved him. And I, I just thought, you know, we'd, we'd just celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary. We were five days off signing a massive mortgage to renovate the house. And we'd been planning it with architects for years and the whole time he was having the affair. And um, so nothing made sense, nothing made sense. And yeah, and everything, all my memories, everything just felt like they had been hacked up. You know, like there'd been some sort of bloodbath. I couldn't look at any photos and nothing really made sense because everything, my whole adult life had been with him. I had always been, you know, one half or, or, you know, the girlfriend or the wife or the mother. And now I had to completely unpack that or redefine or reshape or whatever term you'd like to use so yeah it was fucking awful it was really awful and and I think the hardest thing sorry I'm just going to bang on about it but talk at any time you like Emma you don't, don't get me started um yeah um <laughs> the hardest thing was to to realize that I hadn't been loved properly oh. and I think and that 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 is a horrific thing and I'm sure people listening now if you've gone through that it's just you give someone your whole heart and then you realise that they didn't love you back properly. And that made me cry like a cow. Like like I went sort of on all fours and went bovine. I went, I, I, I don't know what, you know, I'm sure he loved me in some form or another, but to actually to not, to realise that you've given your life to someone and, and it wasn't properly, you were, you were basically used, like, you know, in a sense that he used... He, he had the kids with me and all that other stuff, but he got he got all the all the fun and other things from someone else, and that that feels that feels the cruelest thing about affairs is that you 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 have one reality and they have another, and it's not shared. And I think um, yeah, and I think you know I could be still really bitter about it, but um, but I've gone through a pretty hefty lot of therapy and done a lot of screaming and, and learned how to be angry, Emma. That mm, is the thing. I've okay. learned how to be angry. Um, so I'll pick that later. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's something as a jolly sort of people pleaser. And I talk mm. about that in the book as well. 
being angry and facing those hard feelings of rage were very confronting. And and I thought, oh God, I'm not I'm not an angry person, but nobody, I don't think anybody is an angry person. You just have anger and anger goes through you. And it, and it, you know, and you choose to how quickly it does go through you. Some people hold on to it for a very long time. Um, but I wanted to have sort of more of a bit of an explosive anger and then let that go. But do you know what? I think with people pleasers, and I definitely feel like this sometimes, it's like I I throw myself on the grenade. I almost give mm. my, I, I don't think I'm, I, I can't be angry or if I'm angry, what will the consequences be? Can I handle them? So you end up absorbing, absorbing mm. it. And so it, I think it's wonderful to actually be angry and say this communication, honest communication is the key, right? So if you can say mm. I'm angry because um, that, that yeah. sounds like a really easy sentence to put together, right? Oh, you, you cheated on me and I'm angry because of, but mm. actually that can be a really hard thing to say. Yeah, and I've always been the smoother overer, you know, and <laughs> making everything better. And oh, I'll do that. Don't worry. You know, I, you know, I tried very hard in that relationship, and I don't, I don't regret it. I mean, I think, I think I've spoken to lots of different people about divorce, you know, just because of what I've gone through, but also researching the book. And some people hang on to that anger and choose not to let let that go. But I've, I, I don't regret trying hard in my marriage because that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, and those years are done. I can't get those years back. Mm. I can't get that time back when he was having the affair. But I can now make really, you know, try to make some better choices about how I spend my life, who I spend it with and, and how I value myself. And I think that a lot of it came down to that. And, and, and at the beginning of the book, I really unpick why marriage meant so much to me and why we have been fed this in a in a societal a cultural way and it came a lot from self-worth and I was you know I've always been overweight I'm still overweight technically don't feel overweight feel fucking sexy but you know <laughs> but I am technically overweight Emma that's, according that's to the a... BMI scale and I don't yeah. want to get off but it, I mean that's just some BS so <laughs> So let's move on. You're fine. The BS scale. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I think I think because I had a, a, a skewed view of what I was about when I met this man when I was 19, I was like, oh, wow, I've got a boyfriend. You know, that means that gives me worth. That gives me value. I'm I'm a you know, someone loves me. Look, everyone, someone someone thinks I'm OK. And I think that 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 is such bullshit that we're fed as young girls and you know there's the disney narrative and all that we've all we've all we're all aware of that but um and also again being the daughter of a vicar and seeing weddings you know next door at the church next door i live to and my parents have been married 56 years so i think i hang i hung on to that as like this sort of oh that is success you know getting through it but one of my catchphrases in the last 18 months has been there are no prizes for misery Oof. you know and and you know oh and and the, the that phrase about I'm doing it for the kids and I'm doing it so what are you doing for you mm. you know and I and I interviewed the an amazing the amazing Australian feminist Clementine Ford and she said you want the best for your children you want you know the best state education best food you know but they need the best mum mm. and and do you want your children to have the relationship you've got? Do you want your son to treat you, treat his future partner like your husband treats you or your daughter to be treated that way? And it's it's your 
job to show them what good relationships are so I think yeah it's it's really interesting I, I interviewed over 40 different women for the book and you know I I found the book very healing for myself actually because I was I was very lucky to tap into some amazing psychotherapists and and comedians and people who've just got stories of survival and triumph um and I think I know it's about divorce but I I have having reread the book for the audio book I was like oh no this is this has got a happy ending this is all right this is kind of cheery it is and you know what really struck me is um and it's actually I think you're the only person who said this to me about finding out about an infidelity from a partner because uh friends of mine who've gone through it too immediately their brain went to how can I get this person back how can I get this person to love me again how can I get this person to love me in the way I want them to again and actually when I heard what you said when I read what you said I thought I find something so wonderful in just the fact that you went nope I understand it it's not good enough that shows even if you might not have felt it at the time that actually shows like a huge amount of self-worth and self-esteem in mm. what you will and won't accept Mm. yeah it was it surprised me <laughs> it, did, it did for someone who was held on and we, and we did we did couples counseling twice you know all of the things so so there was no regret in a way because I thought no I tried my best I absolutely tried my best but I thought I can't I can't do this anymore and I think because I because of who the woman was and um and 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 the nature of the relationship I was just like that's fucked. Like I'm, I'm not, I am not, I don't want that in my life anymore. Mm. And that is the worst thing. And I, I have no idea who you are, like how, how you did that with her. I don't, I just don't get. Um, and also he never begged. He, he, he looked like he had been set free as well. Um, so it was sort of, it was just done, but the anger was there. And we also, after, after we separated, you know, after he left the next day, um, we did three months of, um, therapy, like couples therapy, because I thought, no, I need to have a relationship with this man, even mm. though like, I really liked something bad to happen to him <laughs> for my personal, um, you know, satisfaction. But, you know, he is the father of my children and my children love him. And I, never talk down about him I want the children to be um have a beautiful relationship with him and that's really important and I need to figure out a way that I can kind of sustain that relationship for the next however long um and that was hard mm. but necessary and and as a parent you know I sort of was slightly jealous of women who separate from their husbands without kids because I'm like oh wow that'd be nice um but <laughs> I can't and that's just the reality you know you can wish anything but you do have to face the fucking cold hard facts of seeing them and having to text them about PE kits and flute lessons and all the things so um yeah yeah and, and I think yeah and I I, I I just was like right we've got to we've got to fucking nut this out do you think that's about changing expectations because for however long this person got the best of you mm. you realize and what you said was so sort of like punch me in the gut like you hadn't been loved properly that's hideous so kind of coming to terms with that is obviously a big thing so was being able to move forward about re reframing your expectations of that person not thinking well I expect nothing from you you whatever but actually yeah. just thinking 
was was that part of it of, of disassociating and disconnecting any kind of emotional expectation mm, yeah yeah this, it, 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 it was a real arc and it was punctuated with anger I just mm. remember there was one time I got off the phone to him and I just put the phone down it was a couple of months in I just went I really fucking hate him I really hate him and I said that out loud and and that was really powerful. Like there was just moments of really moving forward and letting go. And I thought, yeah, I just have to separate the man that I was in love with because he, do you know what? He didn't exist. That's yeah. what I feel like. I feel like, and, and I take responsibility for that at all. And, and, you know, I created a fantasy about what a husband should be and what a marriage should look like and all those sort of things. So I had, I had my own expectations that I, you know, put to the marriage as well. And he just didn't fulfill those. Um, and so it was a, it was that sort of clearing all, you know, like after the storm, yeah. you sort of see things in the, the light of day. And I think, well, we if we can have a functioning parental relationship, then that that is good. That is success. Mm. Um, and but yeah, there's still there are still things that sideswipe me that I get really upset about. And I I was what was it? It was his birthday. And I wasn't upset about it with him being his birthday. I was I was sort of sad for the, the me that, you know, organised the surprise dinners and the birthday presents and all those sort of things that I invested that love that wasn't really appreciated. So mm -hmm. there were there were there were times where I kind of mourn, you know, the innocence or the um, you know, the joy that I put in. But I did enjoy doing that. And I can't be sort of bitter about it because that's the joy of life is loving someone and 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 giving love that's a real joy as well so it's just it just felt very cruel that um it wasn't really appreciated but the thing is and the thing that I want the book and people who haven't read the book to know is that I discovered how fucking wonderful my girlfriends were and mm. how love is just comes to you in the most wonderful ways and and you know i always knew i had the best girlfriends but you know when something traumatic happens you know you do really see the best of people and of course the worst um <laughs> but lucky for me i was i was surrounded by delicious love but also i went through my trauma the first three months of the separation in pure lockdown so i didn't get an adult hug for three months which is not so nice <laughs> Oh my gosh. Do you know, actually, I said in the Facebook group for the podcast that I was speaking to you and somebody asked a question that I thought was really lovely. They said, did, did Ellie's dad step up? Because obviously you're on the other side of the world from your parents. And they're just like, kind of, he seems like the kind of person who would take on that role. Yeah, yeah. And I, I regret not putting this in the book a couple of days after I told Ellie, because Ellie was in Japan when I found yeah, out. on that amazing trip. Yeah, she went to Japan with her parents. It was beautiful. And I didn't tell her. And um, I waited a week for her to talk, to tell her. And she came back. And um, I remember a couple of days later, Jim dropped something off that Ellie had given um, her, at uh, me, uh, whatever. And he knocked on the door and with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm just so sorry this has happened to you. And I cried and he cried. It was so beautiful. He's a, he's, Ellie's dad is a beautiful man, my comedy partner's um, father. And yeah, Ellie's dad and Ellie's mum have just been gorgeous. And I feel very loved and very much part of their family. 
and Ellie was amazing. I think, you know, to have um, a friend like Ellie is, is, is the greatest gift of all. And, and I think, um, you know, she made me feel love, but also I, I really felt for her at times, cause I, I'm, I know you're this kind of person, Emma, um, <laughs> that, that I was like, God, I'm so sorry. You're, you're getting the brunt of all this hardness. And she said, no, 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 that's what I'm here for. But I know that she had um, a network of support supporting her mm. and I think that's what I don't you know just think that people who have affairs have no idea of the tsunami of pain that that it causes there was there's two people fucking each other behind someone's back but then when people find out the pain of that is is magnified mm. and you know and like when I had to tell my mum on the other side of the world and she couldn't come and be with me I thought you fuckers, like you assholes. You had your secret holidays and all that sort of stuff. And now my beautiful mother is hurting. And, you know, and and, and I don't want to underplay that. I think that's a really shitty thing. And in affairs, you know, they have this excitement and I get that. I get that there's there's this, this delicious deception. But, um, but is it worth it? Is it fucking worth it when you cause so much hurt? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, it, it, it feels like it, but they're so fucking common. That's what I, I've had hundreds of messages from women. It's like, oh, my husband's slept with my best friend or he's, he's this, that, and the other. I'm like, how, it feels like a, this feels like a fucking epidemic. <laughs> mm, yeah. Do you know what? Another thing, again, obviously there are some details you've shared here that you haven't in the book about the affair, but, um, with people who I have been close to who have gone through this, and one in particular said, basically it almost felt like she, when she found out, put herself in competition with the other woman mm. and said, I might not want him, but she's not gonna have him. And I remember then thinking, okay, there's a lot of thought, there's a lot of emotions here. That's quite yeah. intense. Like you're now going head to head with this woman. Did you ever have any of that or did you just drop it from the second you found out? Yeah, I had, I, I, well, yeah, when I, when I found out who it was, I was like, really, really? Like, why, why her? And I, I, I didn't feel any competition. I just felt, I just felt, I felt, I, I actually felt a bit sorry for my husband. Cause I thought you've, you had all this, you had me, you had this lovely house, you had a community, you had all of these, all all these things, I think are just the, the most amazing things. And you gave that up for her. Um, so, <laughs> um, so that was. I mean, oh God, that's probably a bit too deep. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've never felt in competition with her. I just, I, you know, I was very sad that she got the love and the romance, and that's that's all. I would love that. I, I am an absolute sucker for romance, but I don't really feel I've ever been. Um, swept off my feet or experienced that kind of thing. I I initiated most of the romantic dinners and all that sort of stuff. So, I think, and 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 since and since um, being separated, I've got into dating and I've I've had moments of pure romance. Like even if they've just been like one night stands or whatever. <laughs> but but I've got a glimpse into how someone should be treated. And, and and that's lovely. So so maybe that will happen one day. But again, I'm not hanging my worth on that. I'm not hanging, you know, a feeling of being complete on on, on experiencing that. But it's fucking lovely. It would have mm. been nice if my husband actually gave that to me. But but now he's out of the way. I'm like, right, next. And again, <laughs> hit me again. Come on. 
I'll have another one of those, thanks. <laughs> but do you know what? I think you're the sort of person who you really do see the best in people and you will celebrate people. But I have to tell you, and for anyone who knows Scummy Mummies, and I remember the first time I was introduced to you, I was told, you will absolutely love Helen. Ellie, Ellie's a little bit more of a conundrum. You won't necessarily know what she thinks of you, basically. <laughs> Oh my God, Ellie. Ellie is the, the smartest, funniest, quickest, sarcastic. Like, I just, I, I I feel the same way about Ellie as I did the moment I met her. She's the most intriguing and wonderful and interesting person. And yeah, sometimes I don't know either, Emma. But, but, <laughs> but the way that she speaks about you and listeners, uh, Ellie actually writes and voices uh, on the audiobook, one of the chapters, one of the sections of the book. The way that she talks about you, that is some like top level love. Oh she my saw God. you and it was like, and you both had the same thing where you saw each other perform, I think. Mm. And it was just from that moment, there there was almost like, you know, Dreamweaver started playing and everything else faded into the background. Yeah, there was, there was, there was, um, <laughs> it was like there was the um, air machine, our hair was blowing <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> the lights went soft. Oh my God, yeah. she She is one of my loves of my life and 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 what a gift she was and yeah I we we met at a stand-up gig and saw each other perform stand-up and that's how we met um yeah she is the most generous and extraordinarily warm woman um but she she doesn't do emotions I love that like you know <laughs> I love that she's so she's so great but she is oh got a heart of gold and real real softy um but yeah incredibly sharp and funny but yeah, she did the most beautiful things for me. Like on on Christmas Eve, came over with a massive um, Santa bag full of presents that she'd wrapped up, and I got more presents than the kids. And she'd mm-hmm. gone around to friends and collected presents, and and then she handed it over to me, the most beautiful gift, and said, "You're not getting this next year, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just a one-off hell. <laughs> no, don't expect this next year. But that's what that. But that's that's her in a nutshell. She does this incredibly enormous generous gift and it's like yeah just calm down (laughs) and it struck me I think that um you made a lot of compromises in your marriage and I think Mm. from what you've said you you obviously gave the best of you and the fact that when it ended you could say I have no regrets but you compromised and one of the senses I got from the book was maybe minimized yourself Mm. and stepped away from things that maybe gave you joy and made you feel good and Ellie and other people are the ones who allow you to w- almost like give you permission in a way that mm. you're going to be safe if you want to maximize yourself, Helen. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's it. And, you know, I think I think what happened in my marriage is that the status changed over time. And that when we met when I was 19, I was fresh out of the country and bright eyed, never traveled, you know, like, and he was exciting. He'd just done, you know, a gap year traveling around the world. (laughs) And, you know, I fell madly in love with him. But, you know, in the last eight years, Scummy Mummies became more successful. I started earning more money. Um, You know, I got a stronger sense of self. And, you know, I'm not going to draw any conclusions, but I think we know where this is heading. Um, It's interesting when affairs happen and for what reasons. And when, you know, and I'm sure 
affairs give people power, don't they? That's holding on to a secret. Mm. And and um, so, uh, yeah, for whatever reason um, that happened, it did. And and um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not prepared to shrink myself anymore. Mm. It's weird dating now because I've got a massive um, amount of photos of myself on the internet. And, you know, I just kind of vague, I just kind of put like, my job is like creative um, writer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sort of- What do you I write mean, about, Helen? <laughs> and I, it's, it's you know, if, if, if someone Googled, like I, I did have a guy who canceled a date at the last minute because he said, look, I've Googled you and I don't want to be part of your comedy material. And I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, oh, fair enough. But you know, there's, you know, there's thousands of photos of me in gold cat suits, and but I'm really proud of, you know, I'm very proud of everything that I do because what the job that I've done and and the work that I do makes other women feel better about themselves. Yeah, it does. So I, so I can't go, oh, don't look at the photos. I'm all, no, that's part of me. And if you don't love that, I you know, try and bring joy to other people or make people feel better because I've got a really messy house. Well, I don't know. I can't help you. Um, and also it's not worth hanging out with blokes who don't have, who don't have a good sense of humor. So yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword when you've got so much of yourself out on the internet and, um, yeah, but you know, fuck it. (laughs) Hasn't stopped me getting sex to be honest. (laughs) Can I ask, do you think, given you're talking about the change in status and you were, leaning into the things that were making you really happy and you were enjoying quite rightly huge success from it do you think there might have come a point where you might have said do you know what this this isn't good enough yeah i i i I don't i don't doubt that actually because they're just they were just i think i overcompensated for a few things and like you know oh that's good enough that's okay and also, I think in the in the the comedy that I write with Ellie, we did a lot about marriage, going oh, you know, this, that, and the other, the moans kind of thing. And I think that allowed me to laugh off some of the misery mm. and some of the some of the things that just weren't there. Um, so I think so. And I, you know, I just think the universe kind of intervened a bit. Like the fact that I was five days off signing the mortgage and three weeks off the global pandemic. You know, I do, I do feel like there's some kind of divine intervention that the world went, she's had enough. Like he yeah. had an affair for four years. He hasn't told her yet. Like there, there is a reason why um, that uh, uh, letter was found. You know, I hope so. But it was just coincidence, wasn't it? I should thank my daughter. For, I should thank my daughter for wanting to be Doctor Who more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's it. And yeah, I think, I think perhaps maybe in, it would have ended anyway. But I think in a way, because it was so brutal, it has been easier to move on. Because mm. I've spoken to other women who've... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Remain friends and had an amicable separation and 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 I know you've read the book and I've talked to you know couples counselors and she said there are you do need some kind of point of anger or, or or some kind of point of separation to end that relationship and start a new form because you're mm. no longer married you might become friends or co-parents or whatever but there needs to be some kind of demarcation of that um, and initially I thought, oh, I could remain friends with him because I was mental. <laughs> I, hadn't sl- I hadn't slept for a few weeks. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't, A, I don't have to forgive him. Mm-hmm. I do not have to ever forgive him for what he did. And B, I don't have to be his friend. I can be very civil and can be a functioning co-parent. But I don't, I don't even have to like him. Um, and so I sort of made some rules for myself for my own self-worth as well so maybe they would have that would have come eventually that's really empowering actually um would you mind just elaborating on that actually that that I don't have to forgive him because that's quite powerful because I think you know you hear about and resentment and what have you how do you get to a place where you're not forgiving him but it's it's inert it's benign it's not um there's not negativity sort of woven into the tapestry of that yeah, I because I don't I don't wake up every morning going oh I hate him. Um, you know I did that for the first three or four months, and there are times where I I do have those moments, but I just I just feel powerful because I I don't think about him because my life is really full and rich and happy and and I have you know my beautiful children, my house that's kind of falling down, uh, but I've got this fantastic community around me. But I I do. I really feel strongly about not forgiving him because he doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I gave him all my love and loyalty and 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 there was no respect there. So I just don't feel like I I need to forgive to move on because I think it's the anger and and the other processes and also the building of my own self-worth that is is the process rather than the forgiveness. That's really okay. I really that's quite powerful, I think, because you can, you can, I don't know, I'm sure I've read and I'm trying to start struggling to find the words now, but that the idea of like, if you can forgive, then you can move on. But actually what you were saying is forgiveness is not like a barrier to moving on. No, no, absolutely not. No, because that, that relationship died that, mm. you know, my, my, you know, romantic love relationship died with that man, um, as did my respect. <laughs> but, um... In but that capacity. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that had been severed. Um, so I think, I think it was, it, it has been, but I, I almost think it needed that severity because I was holding on to it so tightly mm. and wanted it to work and would do anything, anything to save it or, you know, change myself or whatever. And so many women do this, hundreds of, you know, millions of women will just sort of, you know make themselves smaller or 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 ignore the misery or ignore that and i think one of the great um greatest quotes in the book is from arabella weir who's an amazing actress and comedian and she said never put up with behavior from a man or partner that you wouldn't accept from a best friend 
Mm-hmm. And she and she gives this great example of like sitting down for dinner, and if your if your best friend sat down to dinner and said, "Oh, broccoli, why did you cook it like that?" or Chardonnay, you know I hate Chardonnay. Like, if your friend did that at a dinner party, you'd be like, "Fuck off!" But but how do we accept that within in these intimate relationships? And I just thought, oh, "Ouch! Yes, that's true, Arabella. I did that. Why?" And and I think there's this dichotomy between the feminism we have within our work and with our female friendships. And then perhaps if you're in a heterosexual relationship or even if you're in a, in a, in a same sex relationship or whatever, that, that our intimate partners, we accept such shit. Um, and now I just don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> Good. And there are plenty of people around you who won't let it happen. Yeah. You spoke to lots of incredible people for the book with mm. a variety of experience. And you just mentioned the story about Arabella Weir. And I'm thinking, you mentioned earlier it was quite healing, but were there times where you did interviews with people and it would almost like knock you back because you would see the past in with more clarity, perhaps in a whole new life and think, oh, why, why couldn't I see it? Did you, did it heal, but was there a process of beating yourself up a bit? Yeah, yeah, did a lot of crying, did a lot of crying. <laughs> um, there was one um, wonderful um, uh, Rebecca Cox, who um, is a, um, a journalist, and she she used this quote um, that people pleasing is lying. Yeah. And I was like, ow, ow, you're hurting me with your words, Rebecca. And I was like, that's true. When you go, I'm fine. Yep, that's okay. Yeah, whatever you like. Yeah, that's lying. And and that was very confronting. And mm-hmm. I thought, no, I've been I've been lying. Like, isn't that interesting when you find out about your husband's been lying to you? But you've been doing a bit of lying as well. And 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 having some responsibility for that, and I, and and I, you know, and and let's be clear, I don't paint myself in glory in this book, do I, Emma? Like, <laughs> be very honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it um, definitely isn't. The, the tone isn't. I am the wronged woman, and look at what the horrible thing happened to me. At all, it's it's mm. far more balanced. Yeah, and I want and I wanted the book to kind of have that tone because I just thought yeah you know I I'm not perfect I'm messy and I'm and I was I was probably quite you know emotion I shouldn't say emotionally needy because I was emotionally starved like I was you know I was scrambling for food I was hungry for love Mm. and and the things that you do when you feel that absence or lack is you know um, is interesting, isn't it? Um, but yeah, definitely. There were t- there were times, and also about when I spoke to like the sadness specialists and, and anger specialists, and thought, yeah, and just when people just said things like, "You're allowed to be angry," or "You've just got to get through this," you can't avoid it. Otherwise, the sadness will come out any any which way it wants to. So I think I think that was very confronting as well. And I just thought I could happy everything away, going, everything's fine, I'll make things nice for the kids, and then I will just eventually be happy. Well, that's not true. You've got to you've got to get through the hard shit and cry and, and let those tears out um, and, you know, play all the loud, <laughs> angry music. It's good. It's good for you. If you're not listening to Metallica, you're doing it wrong. Exactly right. <laughs> um, I think in the book you are incredibly responsible about, and you actually even say it, um, because I have children with this person and because they are going to grow up and be able to use the internet, I'm sure they can use it now. I don't want to put anything out there that will be, that, that will make it look as though I'm slagging off their dad. But yeah. you've obviously found this groove in, it is what it is, this is where it is now. And it does seem, you seem to be very balanced with that. Mm. And But it must have been 
and you obviously we've seen this in uh well not obviously with other examples of this happening there can be a war with kids and like trying to curry favor and what have you but it seems like you were very responsible right from the off of I'm not going to say anything negative about their mm. father and now moving forward I wonder how does how do you communicate how do they come to terms with the fact that you're on good terms but you're not mates or that kind of stuff is that a difficult I mean that must be a minefield to manage yeah it is and I'm I'm very upfront with the kids and the kids uh know what happened and um and but it's it's an ongoing process and an ongoing discussion and they will deal with their grief and their understanding of this new way the family works and our new family of three um at different times i think and they've got to negotiate like their they've got to negotiate um their father's new partner and all that sort of thing so i think it's 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 a process in which um i'm very open and i've I don't want them to read the book for a good couple of years, but I, I, I mean, they knew I was writing it because I was always writing it <laughs> over the winter. But I said, I've, I've read some of, some of the reviews and the letters, and I said, Mummy's written this book so, um, to help other, other mummies and other women going through this, um, and help them feel better. And Mummy's done this, um, to help other women, um, and 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 they've said, Oh, can we read it when we're eighteen? I was like, Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've got one copy of the book in the house and I keep it in my knickers drawer, you know. Like, <laughs> um, but, you know, they could read it and that's the thing. But I'm really proud of um, the book because I just thought the more honest you are about the stories um, you have, the more helpful it is because, you know, if I just sort of gone, you know, it is about me getting happier, but, mm. uh, you know, I went through some pretty nasty alcoholism. I had a massive eye operation because my body collapsed. Um, you know, I went through some pretty massive transformations. Oh, my God. <laughs> I went through some pretty nasty alcoholism. <laughs> I don't know why that makes... The way that you say things, Helen, always makes me laugh, even though obviously uh, alcoholism is not funny. No, not, no, it's, but, not yeah, I did, I did some very silly things. Um, but I was a, I was a broken, broken woman. But, mm. but you know, I, I ended up doing some cleansing. I got really into weightlifting. Like, I just thought, right, right, Thorn, you've got, you've got to get on with this. You know, you can sit around for a while and be bitter and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, eventually you start to stink a bit, don't you? <laughs> so I just thought, right, get off the floor. Come on, one foot in front of the other. And, you know, and how long it took me to start to feel better will be obviously very different from everyone else. And also... I, I feel very, very lucky that I got to stay in my own house um, and um, and also that the relationship with the kids and their dad's really good because I know some people never mm -hmm. see their partners again and all that sort of stuff. But I'm very clear in the book and I want that to be clear in the book that this is just one story and, you know, you can pick and choose what you want to get from it. But, um, you know, I can't represent everybody. I can only represent yeah. myself. And I, that's why I interviewed so many women because I wanted different stories to be represented and one of the stories I think that kind of struck me was a was a friend called Natalie who said mm. she was the one who broke off the relationship and and she said oh she didn't get the lasagnas on the doorstep and the and the hugs and even though she was hurting and grieving and and I think people people you know they judge heartbreak on how marriages um are uh, you know how they break up and I think I think that's something that we need to sort of change and I asked for help 
and a lot of people are very embarrassed about asking for help and when they really need it so I think I think I'm hoping that people will read the book who maybe haven't gone through divorce and separation but you know if you don't someone you know will because it's almost half of all marriages mm. that end in divorce and it's 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 so much more common than we think and even though it is common it doesn't mean it's less shit um, I I, it makes me really sad to hear that about Natalie. I know exactly who you're talking about in the story in the book, because you're absolutely right. It, we're, we've just talked about 10 minutes ago about, do you think this might have happened eventually because of how you were growing? Mm. And she's, I mean, I don't know, obviously know the circumstances, but it's really brave to say I'm not fulfilled in this relationship. Mm. And I think we we need to have a conversation about how things move forward potentially end. So I do want people like that in that situation to have the lasagnas because one of the things that I kept coming back to was this feeling of losing yourself in a relationship and I know you said mm. your experiences and everybody's but I think there is something to be learned I read it and definitely took a lot away from it because I think it is really easy to lose yourself in relationships whether that's a marriage and a romantic relationship or a friendship or even a working relationship mm, mm. and I think what the book actually helps you do is find yourself again it, mm. it sort of gives you the breadcrumbs to be able to sort of see if you if you're off the path that maybe you should be on mm. yeah no I I some of the most touching reviews I've had or you know emails or messages are from married people who and some married couples have sat down and listened to the book together wow. and and used it as a, as a tool to address any sort of issues they've got and about communication and all that sort of thing and and also I had a lovely conversation with a friend of mine who read it and she's married and she said I realize that I've given so much to my husband and I've neglected my friends and she said if anything happened to me like happened to you I feel like I she said it gave me a really good kick up the bum about focusing on the other forms of love in my life mm. and I thought oh that's a really lovely thing to um, say about the book um, because yeah I, I do remember what a friend saying to me saying you've been a really good friend for me for 20 years shut up sit down let me look after you now and I just thought oh that's really nice <laughs> oh I so, would yeah. destroy me <laughs> Oh, and it's hard. It's hard when you you get so much joy from giving to someone else, mm. and 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 that is it. That's reframing who you are because yeah. you're like, oh no, I'll organise that. I'll do that. Oh, you know, and that gives you joy. And then when people say you've got to let me in, mm. you're like, <laughs> no, it's fine. That's fine. I'll have like, oh, beans on toast. Don't don't <laughs> don't go to, don't go to any trouble. Don't. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the sort of jokes that goes hand in hand with divorce is uh, the divorce diet and ha ha ha, I lost 12 stone of dead weight, obviously in reference to the, the, now, yes. <laughs> the yeah. now gone partner. But yeah. anyone who follows you who's listening to this, and if you aren't, please go and follow Helen. It's Helen wears a size 18, which should obviously get done under the Trading Standards Act because it's completely <laughs> inaccurate now. But you, you have, you've also physically transformed in the time mm. since it all happened too. And I wonder, I mean, is it conscious or is it just something that happened? Yeah, I think, I think it's come. So I've lost, uh, I lost two stone, but I think I put like a kilo back on again, but it hasn't been a super duper conscious thing. It, it, it you know, I've, I'm running the marathon in three weeks time. Yes. I've taken up um, powerlifting. Um, I, and I went through a 10 week, um, 
program with a nutritionist about eating because when actually ironically when I was writing the book I was delivering all three meals of the day smoking so much smoking so much Emma and drinking a lot of wine yeah so I I decided to get in touch with the nutritionist because I had I paid money privately um, to have some blood tests done and it basically said I had no immune system I, I I had no vitamin D and I was I was you know my body was in not in great shape um and so I weighed 100 kilos uh, which is a pretty big number for me um and I just thought do you know what I need to do something about this and I I was still getting lots of sex and still feeling <laughs> sexy and you know I was a good size 18 you know massive boobs all the things um but I thought actually health wise I need to kind of just put better food in my body and also be conscious of what I was putting in my body because at that time it was just like uh, you know crisps and pasta and all sorts of stuff when Um, you said you felt good did you obviously within yourself but did you feel good because there's obviously this raging debate at the moment about healthy at any size and I'm just curious Mm. like at that point did you think oh no I feel really healthy or did you think no it's contributing to me maybe not not feeling as robust or as capable as I would like to be. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd gone through such a transformation um, in terms of my self-worth and happiness and things like that. But I think when I got those health results, I was like, shit, you know, um, I really need to. And I, and, and I, didn't, I didn't have a goal weight in mind or any of that sort of stuff. The weight, the weight has come up very, 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 very slowly. And if people, if people want to go back and look at, you know, where I've, where I've come from or whatever, um, you know, I, I think I weighed myself in April and I was 100 kilos and now I'm about 88. So, you know, really, okay. sl- really slow, really slow burn. And, um, and yeah, so, but I think I've lost weight from, yeah, obviously the exercise, but um, yeah, I worked with a nutritionist over 10 weeks and each week we just worked on something very, like a small habitual changes, like better sleep, drinking water, slowing down what I ate, introducing more, more plant diversity, you know, <laughs> just tiny, tiny things every week. And there were no diet plans. There were no meal plans. I didn't have to weigh anything, um, but it was just about, excuse me, <coughs> It was just about treating my body better and, mm. and using food in a kind way. And also, I, I did a, a food diary for that entire time and just tracked how I felt after I ate a pizza yeah. Yeah, or yeah. tracked how I felt after I ate two bowls of spaghetti bolognese and how that was maybe different to when I ate a salmon stir fry and like just noted how I felt about myself after eating certain foods and not ever denying myself anything or eating a bag of Haribo or whatever. Um, but now, you know, like when I go to restaurants, I go, you know, I probably could have the creamy knocky, but I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. <laughs> That's or my I drag have... name. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it in an Australian accent too, creamy knocky. Creamy um... knocky. <laughs> Do you know what? When, when I true story when I took voluntary redundancy from um my magazine job it sounded far less at the time it felt dramatic if I said it in Australian accents I tell everyone I took bolo redundo (laughs) see see it's the sunshine people it's really good (laughs) um but that was interesting so you were tracking how you felt as yeah. well as like, so it wasn't about calories or it was just like, well, how do I feel when I eat that stuff? No. And I never thought about calories or, and just about, 
you know, how much, oh God, I was drinking far too much coffee and all that sort of stuff. And just going, she's like, right, let's not stop coffee. Maybe just drink three cups instead of six, you know, that kind of thing. And so, and, and, and she knows that I like booze and she's like, well, don't drink it every night. Just maybe drink it, only drink it with friends. Revolutionised. Like that was a complete game changer and I'm sure listeners already do that mm. already but I was drinking a lot by myself and especially during lockdown when I was alone um so now I try any well at the moment I'm not drinking any booze because I'm doing the marathon but um yeah so just just tiny changes and so it wasn't a it, it's just meant to be something I do now forever mm. rather than going oh I'm gonna oh lose lose two stone in a month or whatever um so now it's just and I'm, I'm not overthinking it because that's the thing that I feared the most diets give me the absolute fucking heebie-jeebies because i'd be like oh but then i but i'll have the wrong food in the fridge and then i'll and then i'll just yeah. get fat i'm just gonna get fat um yeah so yeah so now i'm just sort of like slow down slow down your eating slow down your choices all that sort of stuff there's no hurry there's that that anxiety about food will always be there but it's just smaller yeah i think it, that's a, a huge thing is when it's a lifestyle change and it's a shift and it's not a diet because mm. diets can only last for so long and then mm. what? And for me, yeah. it was always, as soon as the diet finished, it went back to eating in a way where I could put that weight on in a very short amount of time. I'm really good at putting on weight, Emma. I'm oh, like, fantastic. oh, so advanced in that. Like, I'm like, if there was a Mensa for putting on weight, I would be there. <laughs> it'll be in the Olympics at some point. Yeah. Oh, it won't absolutely. just be pie eating. It'll be, and how much oh, weight can you gain? <laughs> Just so good at it. Yeah. Just, you know, I'm just a mac and cheese away from going up a dress size. I mean, <laughs> there are so many amazing book titles that you said during the movie. <laughs> and that's one of them. I'm one mac and cheese away from going up a dress size. <laughs> I can relate to that so much. Um, I know that our time together is drawing to a close, but I just want to ask you about anger. Because again, a little bit like the forgiveness piece and this idea of, um, or negative emotions being something that one wants to rid themselves off. Actually, you said anger can be a good thing. Mm. And anger doesn't actually have to, I always think of angry people as being quite gnarled and mean in the face and horrible. But from what you were saying, actually, I think you've found a positive in leaning into anger a little bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a bit, it's a bit like, it's a bit like the drinking sort of moderation thing as well. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't have to be angry all the time. Um, but I can choose these 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 sort of moments where I go, yeah, I'm gonna have a good old stomp in the wood and yell out all the swears and and just really lean into it and um, and also Ellie, she's a fucking champion angry person or she's a person who does anger very well. She's not an angry person um, and she's not afraid of it. And and I think Anna Matha, the psychotherapist that I um, interviewed, she said a lot of people are afraid that they, if they let anger in that's what they become mm -hmm. and and it's not it's not it's it's it just it is just a process um yeah so i i yeah and i i just feared it i had a quite angry dad who would be had quite a short fuse and so i was quite afraid of that and i associate that with feeling a bit scared mm. um and i think anger can be scary for, for for many of us so yeah i think and it's um 
Yeah, and it doesn't change that I'm a jolly person, and I think that's the big that's the big yeah. reveal. Um, I just need to go and get angry for a bit, and then come back. And I say that to the kids now as well. Like when they've pissed me off or done something, I've really, really haven't liked. I said, "I'm feeling angry right now. Let's talk about it, and let's work out how we can do this better next time." Instead of going, "Everything's happy, everything's fine." No, it's not. That was shitty, and that that action made me feel this way. Um, so that's oh, a new think... that's a new sort of link in the chain of acknowledging yeah. and and sharing the fact that you're angry and feeling valid in those feelings and not sort mm. of trying to quiet them or bury them just in case it upsets someone else. Yeah, exactly right. And I think sometimes it might come across a little bit more powerful when it's come from me, who's like this like, you know, care bear in human form. Um <laughs> Which Care Bear? <laughs> oh my God, oh, I love all the Care Bears. <laughs> yeah, you have, the idea of having a favourite is just hideous. They're oh my God, now, now I just want, oh, I want about six on my bed now. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think, I think, and as women, it's 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 been this great trick of the media and the patriarchy that, that we're not allowed to be or it's yes. unbecoming or whatever. Yeah. So I think I think that's it. And also it's a very racist way, you know, um, women, um, you know, uh, black women especially have been demonized when they're angry. There's mm-hmm. been that great. There's a fantastic article uh, about Serena Williams. It's like when she gets angry, the way she's demonized uh, as opposed to um, a white woman. And I think I think, you know, it is just used as a weapon against us when when it anger changes things. Mm-hmm. It's an, an amazing force for good. Um, when you've got a bit of rage and you use it so yeah I think that's I think that's it but um yeah I've I've really enjoyed getting to know angry Helen <laughs> and um and and harnessing that so yeah it's not that I'm going around the streets going fuck you all I'm just, <laughs> I'm just... But you are doing that in the woods at times though be honest I am I am I am actually <laughs> when I know no one else is around Yes, and then they oh, is that Helen from Scummy Mummies? Fucking crazy cat lady. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So I think I think that's I think that's been 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 a great. And I've just learnt so much from becoming a single woman, and and I was very frightened about becoming a single mum, and and all these things that I thought I couldn't do, I can. And mm. but also knowing my limitations, know the things that I really can't do. Write um, you know, <laughs> me that down. list. Yeah. Write me that list. Okay. Oh yeah. Last time I spoke to you, you had to stinge yourself because of a handstand. Yeah, I, know. I know. That's it. Can't do handstands. I'm not built but for that. You've got the marathon in a few weeks. You've got a best-selling book. And like I said at the top of the show, when I first learned what had happened, I was like, oh, fair. no, no, I don't want this for Helen. But actually what I want for you is what I'm seeing and hearing, which is just that you just seem happy sorted learning from it all and just like propelling yourself onto a greater future than perhaps you even you thought was possible which is just so brilliant to see oh thank you emma yeah i feel very very lucky for the life that i have and if anything it's taught me you know this is never permanent so i'm just going to really revel in what what i have right now and i'm incredibly grateful that um you know people have bought my book and 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 the community that ellie and i have built um, with the scummy mummies so mm. I feel very lucky that I've been able to share my story and have that opportunity to do that so thank you and thank you for listening to my book as well that was very I loved fun. it um I loved it I just loved well I love hanging out with you so it was like a sort of weird new way of hanging out with you um <laughs> listeners I will of course put the link to the book and if you I mean get the 
get the printed copy, but also the audiobook is wonderful, especially that chapter by Ellie. And I'll put mm. the link to that on your social media and Scummy Mummies and the tour and everything in the show notes. But if listeners, you want to cry, and I mean really ugly cry, please go to Helen's Instagram and watch Ellie sing to her at the book launch. Oh my God. It is impossible not to weep. And for someone who isn't emotional, oh my God, those <laughs> lyrics. She, she reimagined the song. I forget what the song is. Is it a Snow Patrol one? Oh yeah. It's the one that Lily Allen sang for the John Lewis Christmas ad. Oh my God. The, the, the tears that fell out of my face. Oh, Emma, the whole room. We're all Ellie Gibson. Oh my God. It was beautiful. My brother was playing the piano and they'd, they'd sorted it. Um, oh my God. It's beautiful. Yeah. I feel, yeah. There's the romance, babes. Yeah, There's the romance. It. Don't settle for anything less than that. Yeah. Uh, it's been a joy to chat to you again. I'm so delighted for all of your success and for what's going to come in your future. So just, keep being brilliantly you because you're amazing you're amazing emma thank you so much thank you so much for listening to that episode of the emma gun show i do hope you enjoyed it i appreciate your time hugely if you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode you have to answer a couple of questions but we cannot wait to see you there come over and join the conversation thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.